0: But like, yeah, if you have a friend with a plane, you can do a lot of
1: things. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Stand Up, Pedal Action.
2: Welcome everyone to Stand Up, Pedal Action. Today, I'm excited. Once again, we have a great guest to share. Um, Allie Mack is in
1: the house. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us, first of all. Thank
0: you. This is awesome here.
1: Yes, yeah. Yeah, Josh, so the thing is, for stand-up pedal action, it sounds like today there's not going to be a lot of pedaling. Maybe a little. All right. Maybe a little in there. Well, what else is there to do if you're not riding?
2: Well, it turns out there are a few things. It kind of blows my mind, but... (laughs) All right. Uh, Allie has done some pretty incredible things here in Color Springs and abroad, and has kind of rocked the trail running world, uh, which is really really fun um so quick quick recap of some of your accolades here let's see i'm probably gonna miss a few but uh you you did run cross country and Div- division one and boulder
0: yep i see you mm-hmm.
1: and, and it sounds like you did okay with that with a fifth place
2: oh yes fifth place at uh 2009 NCAA double division one
0: Yes, as a freshman um, at the Nationals.
2: And I, I believe things diverged a little bit from there, but somewhere along the way you picked up trail running, and we'll get into this, but uh, you obtained the the FKT on the Manitou Incline at one point, uh, which I believe you still technically hold.
3: Yes,
0: <laughs> um, yeah, on Wikipedia it's still there. And that was kind of the days <laughs> before Strava. Um, so it's, it's kind of like... A, just a trusting thing, but I do have it on Strava now. It's not as fast as my 2010 time, but um, yes. Okay.
1: This time is blowing my mind. (laughs) Do you want to just tell everybody what this is so they can all be as nauseated as I was (laughs) at my own when I heard this?
0: Yeah, it's 2007.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, is that humanly possible?
0: You know, sometimes I wonder, because, like, there's years since then, I'm, like, stuck in the 22s or 23s. I did get um, 21, 29 this year, so I'm, like,
3: Ooh. feeling
0: good. I'm, like, maybe there is a possibility to get back down in the 20s, or break 20 would be a dream. However, that summer, I was training on it three times a week, and... um I just don't know if I have the mental capacity for that anymore. (laughs) There's other things I really like to do, but, um, that year, that summer is very, very driven. And, uh, I would do types of work, like kind of workouts, like up, down, up, down, like so many minutes and stuff. And then once a week I'd go full out. And by the end of the summer, yeah, I hit 2007.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's, that is, it's just mind altering to me because I never, I never did it that much. So I have to admit I was never training that hard on the incline, but Cracking 30 was going to be, like, that was going to be my jam. If I could get there, I got to, like, 30 in a bit.
0: Oh, nice. Which,
1: you know, that's better than a lot of people, oh, but yeah. that's still miles away <sighs> from 20 minutes.
0: <laughs> yeah, there, there's, uh, and it's, the incline, as you probably know, is such an interesting phenomenon because you can, like, feel really good and then get there and then it feels hard. And then there's some days it just, you just fly and you feel light and... Um, your legs never cramp up. So it's, it's kind of a hit or miss.
1: Okay. So here's the question and then we'll get back to the intro, but before we let this go, when I've had my best times on the incline, it has felt like there is literally no other activity I could imagine that would provide that kind of high, like that kind of feeling of just that raw rush of what you had just done when you got to the top. Is that the same for you at that, when you were hitting those times? Was it just like transformational, or were you just like, meh, another day in the incline, hitting times no one will ever dream of? I'm fine. I guess I'll go have some coffee.
0: Um, you know, I, it seems like it was a long time ago. I think I was, again, so driven that I really didn't get, um, I was just, I just kept going at it. And so I wasn't like super euphoric. Mm-hmm. But I will say this last time, I was just like a few, weeks ago that I got the twenty one twenty nine and I hadn't been in the 21s for a long time. And I'll say the rest of the day, I felt pretty good about life. <laughs> like, so, so yes, it goes both ways, but, um, yeah, it just, it, when you do it time after time, you kind of loses the effect, but when you hit a good time after several, several, several months or years, yeah, it's new fork.
2: All right. For those of you listening who, who may not know what we're talking about, the, Manitou Incline here in Colorado Springs is very special. It's uh, an old cog railway line that goes up about 2000 feet in right about 1 mile and it it's it's shocking. It's it's steps. It's old railroad ties and some new railroad ties. They've done a lot of revamping on it. Yeah, they're so popular. Yeah. But it's uh it's one of the best workouts you can get on 2 feet anywhere. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean it is it's definitely not medically advisable for some humans if we're honest. like it is a, it is a brutal and unrelenting just walk straight up a hill. So it really
0: is, but you meet so many people for all types of people. I've met um, smokers, I've met people who don't exercise much at all and then two professional athletes, so it's a fun place. but what's really neat too is you can just walk it and still get your heart rate up. Sky high.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think you, can, you can't walk it without getting your heart yes, rate sky exactly. high. For <laughs> honest, yeah. What I think is hilarious is there's no activity that I've known in my 20 plus years in Colorado, well, almost 20 years in Colorado, where you will get passed by grandmas more often. Full stop.
0: <laughs> that is true. Like
1: yeah. The number of old ladies who have smoked me on there, even back when I was in my late 20s and thought I was big stuff. Which, you know, we've established that you're doing it literally 10 minutes faster than me. So I was not that good. But yeah, I'm out there feeling like I'm on the struggle bus. And some lady in her 70s goes by like, oh, you've got this. Keep going. Like, oh, my gosh, I need and to turn it, no, around now. It's
0: totally true. There's a group of regulars, we call them. I, I kind of fit into that category. But the regular regulars are, oh, gosh, they've, they're they all over 60. And I think there's a few. There's just these two twins, Fred and Ed baxter i think they've got to be pushing 80 now but um they have some records on it and they're there before the sun rises almost every day it's awesome
1: that's insane
2: well it's easy to get sidetracked here because yes. uh, yeah, it's yes. pretty impressive just to start off but to jump back to the intro yep. uh <laughs> that's that's only the tip of the iceberg and the things that you've you've accomplished and you've gotten to be a part of and something else that really stuck out to me uh were these mountain running championships that both national and world it looks like where you have been the champion <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i um i won the world long distance championships um in 2014 um and that just by the grace of god everything worked out that that race was actually here in Colorado Springs on Pike's Peak and mm. so A lot of these races are overseas and stuff, but that year, um, the IAAF um, chose Manitou to be the race. And so it was kind of, I would have ran that race anyways, because it's um, home and I had always wanted to do the ascent. And it turns out it was a world championship that year. So, you know, the Italian team, who's really strong, and um, the Kenyans and Australians, everyone was here. Um, So it was big. It was a big deal. And um, I won that. So that was my world champion um race
1: okay wait a minute so the a lot of people who are not super familiar with running especially trail running there's you know in road there's standard distances we talk about the olympics there's very standard distances so when we say long distance mountain running championship what are we talking about
0: you know and that that was an interesting thing that usually the long distance is over marathon distance um For some reason, they chose the ascent that year to be the long distance race, which is only 13. However, it does take much longer um, than a normal half marathon. Um, But yes, normally long distance is anywhere over a marathon. So an ultra distance, um, you know, 30, 40 miles. That year was an anomaly, um, which, again, worked in my favor. So that was cool. And then there's the classic mountain distance that's usually like a 10, 12K. Oh, okay. And in that same year, I went to Worlds for that, which was in Italy, and um, I got third there. And so to be in another country and podium, that was almost as special as winning the Worlds here.
1: (laughs) Well, especially because if I I was attending anything in Italy, I wouldn't show up. Because they would find me somewhere at a restaurant with a table full of pasta I'd be like, what? I'm sorry. I, I forgot what I was doing.
0: <laughs> yes, it, it is uh, distracting and fun at the same time to like be taken in a new culture.
1: <laughs> yeah. So also, just so I can go ahead, give up and get a bag of donuts and feel bad about myself. What was your time on the ascent?
0: That year, it was 233. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: wow. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> yeah, Thank that's you. a half marathon with what is 8000 feet
0: and yes. change mm-hmm.
2: i think uh, six to 14 yeah uh-huh it's pretty cool i've done it a few times far slower than that yeah what is your
1: time josh do you know
2: i i think it was an hour or more three three thirty ish <laughs> yep there we go <laughs> i feel like i was moving pretty good. good yes yeah uh, until the last two miles like 15 minute pace until those last two miles then it's like 25 35 <laughs> <What?
0: laughs> yes yeah, so once you get above tree line, like. You feel like things open up, but then the altitude's like hitting you at the same time. Mm-hmm. And the weather, I've done it multiple times now. Cause I've done the marathon a couple times. So I think total I've raced up um five times and uh or, I don't know, I'll have to figure out. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh last year in the ascent, the weather was extreme. It started like snowing and extremely windy and yeah, above tree line was was rough. <laughs> <laughs>
2: There's no more protection.
1: No. Wow. Well, we still haven't finished the intro here. So (laughs) So 2014 was clearly a good year for you. yes. Podiums, national championships, everything. Josh, take us a little further through this. Well,
2: I also wanted to touch on the fact that uh, you've won the U.S. Trail Championship in Moab twice.
0: Yeah, Um, that's been really special because that's marathon distance. It's the U.S. Trail Marathon Championships. And... I always said I would never do a marathon or I thought I couldn't um, just I, I bet I went through a lot of injuries and a marathon just seemed so long. I was kind of like half marathon and below. And um, then COVID happened in 2020, obviously, and so many things got canceled. But the few things, the few so like really most races got canceled, but there were a few that were able to be put on and they all they were all the long distance ones, which I don't know why that. Was a phenomenon, but um, yeah, pike Peak Marathon and uh, Moab Marathon happened, and again, I normally wouldn't have done them, but there were no other races, and I was mm-hmm. healthy. I was like, Well, I guess I'm gonna try a marathon, and
1: um, <laughs> guess the, I'll go win a marathon, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and um two of the most memorable experiences um and then I did Moab again this year in one and there's something about I'm I'm realizing some of my best races are in places I dearly dearly love and obviously home Colorado Springs and mm-hmm. Moab I just have this like love affection with and uh I feel so good and um yeah it it's still a long race and I'm still pretty pretty dead at the end uh those last 3 miles are always hard but um I just I feel good and yeah so I did a I did my marathon there and I won.
2: Uh, (laughs) We have to talk about this more. Yeah, we're gonna
1: get back to that. because we share that. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Yes. Oh, I have a great story from this year, but
1: all (laughs) right. All right. Foreshadowing, everybody, stick around to the end because I think Uh. this one's coming back. All right. So that's not all that we have either.
2: I I would say, and we could go on for a while with this, but the, the one that sticks out to me the most is how you repeatedly destroyed me in high school every time we had weights class or sports conditioning class together (laughs) there would be a one mile warm-up at the beginning and it was a quote-unquote warm-up because there was always an air of competition when the two of us were out there together (laughs) (laughs) and i would try to hold on to you as long as i could and then you would just trounce me every time i think there was one day that you were sick and you were just taking it easy, and you kind of let me win. But there was only once. Once.
0: <laughs> oh, you have a good memory. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it was always fun.
0: Yes. And, you know, that class was just really, um, not to be dramatic, but, like, I don't want to say life-changing, but, like, life-guiding. Um, mm. Getting in, like, weightlifting really, really was awesome at it for in high school for me. And I think it really, like, got me into more fitness more than just running and really seeing the whole picture of fitness and um oh yeah I just I loved it and then the whole mile thing really made me competitive and (laughs) you know we had the warm-up but then like twice or once a semester or something we had to do the time mile oh yeah oh my gosh and I still that would stress me out I remember like especially if we had weights in the afternoon like just the whole day like you know, butterflies in my stomach, and couldn't eat. Like, I mean, I would eat, but like, I just mm-hmm. like feel so nervous, and it would stress me out more than races do today. But I think that was so good because it prepared me for so much, and just to like, yeah, be ready for big oh, stuff.
2: Those were fun times. I I, I felt similarly any time there was a record to go for, because there were quite a few. Oh yeah,
0: um, and then and then all the maxes at the end of semester.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout out to coach Yeah, <laughs> to share this wherever with you may be. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, again, we could go on with that, but I'd love to to jump in a little more and hear, you know, how, how you got into all of this. And I know a bit of your backstory, but could you share just, you know, where you grew up and where this love developed?
0: Yeah. Um, So I grew up mostly in Colorado Springs, Colorado here. Um, my dad was in the air force, so we moved around a little bit, but for like middle and high school, I was here and um I played lacrosse and ice hockey actually going into high school. And um but I started to like because of weights class and stuff, I started to like fitness more and kind of picked up running with my dog. And then it was just um through lacrosse, we also had to do a time mile and and in weights class, and I realized like I was kind of good at it and like I, I loved the feeling of pushing yourself hard and also like doing well and um and that feeling kind of like trumped the other sports so of I still uh lacrosse was still like life-changing as well um we ended up winning state my senior year and loved having the team but um
1: okay I, before yeah. we go further I gotta ask because I always want to know this with lacrosse were you there to run around like crazy, or were you there to hit people with sticks?
0: <laughs> yeah, I was a midfielder and I uh, i ran more. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> yes. Um, and girls isn't quite as uh rough as the guys, but um, we had it a lot more... of
1: meaner though.
0: I, I, well, uh, yeah, because we don't have as much equipment and some of those girls can be can you be rough but...
2: goggles instead of full helmets, right?
0: Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. So you got to look out, but um. That's. T- I think it takes a little more skill to just like really finesse around people because they're coming at you.
1: <laughs> did you ever lay anybody out?
3: I did
0: not. No. Oh, okay. Well, I think I got. A, <laughs> I
3: well, got a few
0: yellow cards, well, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think it was that rough. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, back to the mm-hmm. running part of it. Yeah, I loved playing midfield, and um, but what ultimately, and I had some friends in high school who just like kept saying like, oh, you'd be so good at cross country. And I ran with them a few times after school and they were just always like shocked how easy it was for me in a sense. And, um, and so my going into my junior year, I didn't make the, I played girls hockey in high school and they have U16 AAA and U19 AAA. And when I moved to the 19 AAA, I didn't make that team. And, so I could have played double A, but in girls, there's really high skill, but it drops off fast. So if you're not on that, like triple A team, the skill really drops. And, um, and, and so that was kind of a sign for me of like, I love hockey and stuff, but this is my chance to like go do cross country now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I didn't make the triple A 19 team. And so then my junior year I went out for cross country and, um, and. I got, I ended up getting a stress fracture in the middle of that season, but I finished eighth at state um, and I had won a few meets throughout the season and it was awesome. And it was just like, okay, I'm, I just I started training super hard as like the, as soon as my stress fracture healed after state and they uh, end up winning state my senior year. Um, and then it just became running was, was like the biggest deal to me. And, um and then I ended up getting a scholarship to CU and, and if I'll just keep going on the story, if you yeah, yeah, go mind. for yeah. it. Um, CU was awesome. Um, Coach Wetmore and Heather—they are still the coaches today—and that is why I chose to go there. I had taken a visit at Oregon too, which they was beautiful and cool. But um, ultimately, the coaches at CU is why I chose that. Chose there. And um, my freshman year, I—you know—when you're an athlete, sometimes you think you're training as hard as you can, and you're like oh, like, can I get any better or like, really? And, uh, but I went there with like open, an open mind and went more the way they train. Um, I got even faster. (laughs) Like um, I incorporated long runs into my training, which I hadn't really done. And then um, they didn't, we didn't run that many more miles. It was just, you know, having the right workouts at the right time in the season. And yeah, and I ended up hitting finishing fifth at nationals and um that I was definitely euphoric there (laughs) Um, and then it was like wow if I improve this much how much more can I do unfortunately then it was injury I got into an injury cycle of tendonitis and stress fractures basically for the next three years and and I've never a lot of people are like oh see you drives you into the ground training and I'm like no no that's not what happened like they pulled my mileage back I it was just, it's just, you get stuck in those cycles of certain times of life. No explanation, really. And um, and anyways, so I ended up staying the rest of the three years, but didn't do much. I I raced a few small races, but um, it was just, it was time to go as soon as I finished my four years. And, uh, and then I took like a summer off and kind of did my own thing and got back to weightlifting and stuff I enjoyed and then found trail running and then literally... The year after graduation was 2014, and I was able to do some big things.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Evidently. Yes. Yes. So if you don't mind my asking a little bit about that path through that period of injury. Yeah. um, We Well, first of all, just one question, because you are the second collegiate cross-country runner that we've had on the show. Oh, awesome. Uh, Yeah, after uh, Kelly Williams, who ran here for UCCS. And she painted a fairly problematic picture of her time in cross country in that it is a sport, much like wrestling can be for guys, where there's sort of, you might call it, a bent toward institutionally unhealthy practices by many of the athletes and coaches. Was that at all your experience when you were at CU?
0: Um, You know, I can see 100% where that like that picture I've seen it happen and stuff um however for me personally like my relationship with the coaches it was very there was it was never never really super pressured I think the biggest pressure more was like not taking too much time off so it was like mm-hmm. constantly like oh mm-hmm. let's test out your foot today like and it was like now if something hurts I I take a lot of time off like right away it like makes me nervous I'll take a few days off and boom it's fixed but there it was like testing it every day and it was just so hard to like ever get better or if you think you're better then it's like you're thrown into workouts and um and I think that's what a lot of people experience and I did experience that however I don't want to blame my coaches because I think like they did scale everything down for me and as far as eating and stuff they would always like be very open like we I was they wanted me to gain weight there was never pressure Mm -hmm. to and I was just Always super tiny, so I think that was never a thing. But I I do know girls who are told to like they need to cut down weight, and then it just turns in the spirals after that. So like mm. I don't feel like I was pressured in that sense at all, but mm. it does happen, and it's not. I, I don't want to really blame it on anyone because even as athletes, at that time I had the same mentality. It was like I got to be cross training every second, like because you want to be ready to race and. I think just, and I have not had a coach since then. And part of the reason is because I feel like as soon as I have a coach, it I get stressed out that I have to like perform each day. Mm-hmm. And now like, you know, I might have a plan, but in the morning I feel like something different and I'll go do something different. And there's no one ho- holding me accountable, which most people need. But I think it gives me like the calmness of mind to not be on like a strict schedule actually keeps me healthier.
2: All right. It seems pretty clear that you have a fairly intrinsic motivation to keep moving in life.
0: (laughs) I think it's been stronger at times, um, but it's a good balance now. And just having the CU background of my coaches, I still, I still use that same knowledge I learned then to carry me through now. So, um,
1: yeah. So then you said you got kind of caught in this cycle of injury. Did it? I mean, like. What was that like for you? Because some people that we talk to, they have to step out of their main sport or they have to pull back from the thing that's really given them a lot of joy. And it's, you know, it's a bummer, but they can find something else. So they pivot to another sport. And then we've also heard stories where people are kind of destabilized because all of a sudden this thing that had become life is gone. And now what?
0: You know, yes, I talk, um, looking back, I talk about this with some friends who, have had a lot of injuries, too, and, and because we have friends who are professional runners now who've never had an injury, and then they ha- get a big one. um I've had two or three of them recently, and it makes me just look back and be so thankful for having had so many injuries, even in the moment it was the worst thing ever like my life could have gone on such a different path if I would have stayed healthy like. I mean, I think I I think the Olympics could have been an option because there were girls I was running just as fast of and they stayed healthy and they've been to the Olympics. And I totally got derailed from a lot of that. And um but but I'm I'm thankful for the I, I would not be where I am if I had taken a different path. So definitely thankful for that, but also thankful that I know how to handle injuries because now I get hurt. It still is such a bummer and crushing and sad and all the emotions but I know how to handle it and these people mm-hmm. who have been healthy their whole life and then get a big injury I would lose my mind I think but I've mm. had so much experience that it's not a big deal I know how to handle it and so with these people like you know I don't I don't always know like what to say to them I mean I I, I tell them like you'll be fine <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> you come out of it yeah you might have to take a year off that sounds like the worst thing ever but I've taken years off and then i've had years so much fun and there's always i feel like there's always a reason for an injury of like god's telling you to like do something else in life and so many of my injuries have directed me on a path um i'll just make this quick but one um uh i've had like 3 seasons of big injuries and there was the one in college and then after college there was, um, I had another bout that um, actually led me to move to Nashville. I had always wanted to move there for work and fun and all this stuff, but I took running too seriously that I was like, I don't want to leave the mountains. But um, I got, uh, tore my hip labrum and needed surgery. And it just really was a long process. And I was like, all right, here's my chance to move to Nashville, and and I did, and I, I ended up running once I was there, and I made the U.S. team again. So it obviously didn't affect my training, <laughs> but it was just that nudge to mood to like I needed a a sign, and that was that. And also, that's when I got into skydiving because I couldn't. I running wasn't like I wasn't able to do it, and it, I really didn't have the desire once I was healthy again. I just kind of lost it for a little while. I needed something even crazier, and um. On a trip to Moab, met some base jumpers and after hanging out and talks and stuff, I became a skydiver.
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right.
1: And we're going to move on to this here in a second. Yeah. But before we do a couple, one thing I wanted to ask. Yeah. You just sort of said as a blanket statement, you've learned how to handle injury and you know how it works now. Yes. I'm guessing you're going to tell me that rest is a big part of that since you've already mentioned that the idea that if it starts hurting, you step back, you don't push through, like, you know, when to listen to your body more. Yes, Jason. You wouldn't say go for like an entire year taping an ankle and popping pain pills like somebody in the studio might have to try to ignore and race on a messed up foot. Oops. But if if anybody was listening or came to you and asked like, okay, give me tangible. What do I do kind of advice about how to handle injury? What would you say? What have you learned?
0: And. The bummer is that I, I still got them. I was out for four months last winter. It was something I did not mean to do. <laughs> like, I, I thought I was doing everything right. Um, but I, I, yes, and so I had um, major IT band problems. And immediately, like, it it happened within a weekend. And so it was like, oh, shoot, this is really hurting. Like, I, so I back off right away in and, and hopes. And a lot of times it, things will go away. Just like if you back off right away, um, take a few days off. This, unfortunately, just kept was still there. And yeah, ended up lasting four months. And and you just kind of got to like accept it. Like what I what I do, I accept it for a while, just do other things. I start doing the elliptic or do stuff in the gym that doesn't hurt it. And then after like a month or two is when I start really taking action. I was like, go dry needle it, go. I don't like spending too much money and or like if if it's just going to heal on its own, then like it's not. But after two months, it's like, all right, let's go in Um, pretty much unless it's like you think it's a stress fracture. I don't really get images because those cost a lot. And Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure the body's going to heal itself one way or another. Eventually, you might need surgery. But if it's you wait long enough that if um, it's going to heal itself, if you go into the doctor, they're just going to say, oh, don't run. So you don't need to like go pay to be told that. So it's like finding (laughs) other things that you can still get your fitness and just taking a break and then, and then putting your energy towards your work or, um, your family or your dogs or whatever you whatever you got, just take that time to really like put energy where you can't when you're training hard. So that's, that's kind of my advice and, um, and, and then yeah, rest and. uh and take initiative if you need to massage. I think it's great. Um, each injury takes a little different um, angle, but uh, yeah, it's really a mind thing of just letting, letting the whole body rest. Like, not just that, but let your mind rest, too. Yeah. You're not going to die by not working out for a few months.
3: After the month. like, <laughs> that's <laughs> Even what i learned. It it's feels not like going it. to kill. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. So things that you might die doing, though, include jumping out of perfectly good airplanes. Uh, that is I true, love yes. I love this. <laughs> yeah. All right.
2: Injury leads you to jump out of airplanes. Yep. Let's let's talk about and it. And
0: that sounds kind of psychotic in itself. <laughs> pum, and pum. M- maybe it is. I don't know. But um yeah, uh I, my running joke still, knock on wood, is that I've I've gotten injured more times running than skydiving still. Um actually i really have not I've had a few hard landings and maybe my Achilles hurts for a few days or something, but, um, I've, I've played it pretty safe in skydiving. And that's the thing with skydiving. It is, it is pretty darn safe if you do it right. If you're pushing limits, if you're swooping, if you're being not smart in the sky, like things can happen and kill you. But also if you're smart about it, you have a reserve. If you come in and, um, yeah, not try to, don't, do stuff outside your skill level, then it's it's safe and it's super fun. And um and it can lead you to doing cooler parachute sports. Um, So yeah, but how I got started was, I was on a trip to Moab the year, it was the year I had surgery in February for my hip. And this was um, October of that year. I was healthy and like I could run, but I just didn't feel like it. I think I was nervous to be honest. And like races were over, I had no desire to race. Um, So I was doing other things and I was on a dirt bike trip, which I also love to do with a friend. And it was my first trip to Moab and we dirt biked, we saw the arches. It was super cool. And I had been skydiving once um, on my 21st birthday, like six years before. Um, I had a stress fracture in my heel and I wanted to go for my birthday and that was (laughs) cool and all I went, but then, you know, I was in college. It was like, you go, you have to go back to reality, real life, like the next day. But this was like... I was on a trip, and I was, my work was flexible, and I don't know, my life was more open, and it was like, oh, let's go skydiving again. Um, it'd be so cool to do it in Moab, and and I had seen a video of base jumpers just before then. Well, it turns out the people at the drop zone, they're mostly base jumpers in Moab, too, and I was like, mm. oh, I want to base jump. Like, what is it like? Like, and they're like, well, we're gonna go this afternoon. You want to hike with us? So we did our tandem skydive, and then I got to hike with a couple base jumpers who I'm still friends with today. Now that, um, it's super cool because they've like seen my journey from like being a non skydiver to getting the skydiving, and I haven't. My plan was to base jump as soon as I could, but five years have gone by, and I'm still hoping the time comes. But um, just waiting for everything to align correctly. Of me feeling ready and all that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I got to hike up one of the main cliffs when you're driving into Moab on Highway 191. It's, like, right on the side there. Mm-hmm. And we uh, we hiked it together. And um, so it was two jumpers and then my friend and I. And uh, we got to watch them jump off. And it was, like, the coolest thing I could. Like, I had never seen a base jumper in real life. And then I'm standing next to them as they jump off. And I was like, it was it was just uh, yeah to use the word euphoric magical I don't know but to see them like their parachutes come out they like scream excitement and land and then we had to hike down which was kind of treacherous actually <laughs> and I think it would've been safer to just jump off like they did but
3: they were just <laughs> <laughs>
0: such fun like sweet people to invite us which I found out the whole base jumping community is um, I've met so many base jumpers since then because they kind of overlap with skydiving but anyways when we got down they had waited for us cause it took us a long time and they waited for us, ba- made sure we got down super nice. And I was like, who, what, when, where, why, how do you get into this? I yeah. want to do this. And they're like, well, you should probably learn to skydive first. And then, uh, we hung out with them that night. There was another girl there helping like find gear that would fit. Like if I did went go through AFF, just like super helpful cause I had no knowledge at all. I was like, where do you start? And, and they were really helpful. And then it all made sense. And I, um, I was moving to Nashville in the next month. And so I moved to Nashville my first weekend there, I, I went to the drop zone and and did my first AFF jump. And uh, What's
3: AFF for those of um, us who don't know?
0: Yeah. Accelerated free fall, but that's, okay. that's what it stands for. But that is your first seven jumps to learn how to skydive. So you have okay. instructors with you and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And then by your seventh jump, you're jumping by yourself. And then you have to check off a few more things like accuracy landing and stuff. But at twenty five jumps you have your a license, which pretty much means you can you're a certified skydiver you can do whatever you want and um you can to
2: find a friend with a plane
0: yes yes <laughs> uh, which it, it, i i know of you i mean most of the drop zones are u s p a so they are regulated, which is good, but like yeah, if you have a friend with a plane you can do a lot of things <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so there's and at some point here in the interview, I want to just ask you about sort of your relationship to adrenaline as a chemical, but, <laughs> <laughs> but in skydiving in particular is something that I find really interesting because from the outside, it could look like this adrenaline junkie, just like all about the excitement. I want the rush kind of sport. And yet in other ways, it is something where you have to be very calculating, aware, and present. It's not just some escapist rush. Like you actually have to be paying attention. So can you talk about the tension between those two forces of the rush to do something incredibly fun and crazy? And how do you balance that with knowing that this could literally be the last thing you ever do?
0: Okay, totally. And I'm so glad you brought that up because sometimes I forget to, cause I just talk about like the fun and games part, but I forget people see it like that as that. It's just like, Oh, adrenaline, adrenaline. And like, honestly, it's very little adrenaline, um, I mean, I mean, there is like, especially your (laughs) first. are are we
1: talking in absolute terms or is it
0: (laughs) more like, I mean, you are so focused and as you get better and more skill, you can do cooler things in the sky. At first, you're just like falling on your belly and pulling your parachute. But then you can start. um, There's a lot of different disciplines. Um, Free flying is probably my favorite. It's where you like sit and stand and do different things in the sky. And then there's wingsuiting, and there's tracking, and all these different terminology. But anyways, the point, and that takes skill to learn. But as far as the adrenaline part, it's more like you are so focused for like even the plane ride up. The more you jump, the more relaxed that gets. But for your first few, it's like plane ride's pretty stressful. <laughs> and mm. then, and then when you jump, your mind is not thinking about anything else. You are so focused on. Um, doing whatever you need to do, whether it's you're making a formation with people or in the beginning, you just have to like, you know, do some turns or whatever. Um, But you aren't thinking about anything going on in life other than what you're doing in the sky. And then once you're in the canopy too, you're like focused on getting down and landing accurately. And so it's more like, I have definitely like, my mind's going 100 miles a minute most of the time. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't say I, I'm not gonna say I can't focus, but like, this life's busy, and we're always thinking about a lot of things. And when you're mm-hmm. that, you could call it an escape. I don't know if I really want to call it that though. It just it kind of like let your mind be in the moment for at least those 60 seconds of free fall. And so I realize, and and also when I'm at the drop zone, it's like we call it the matrix because you're just there for the day and not really worried about my phone or you're just with those people and you're, you're jumping out planes. And it's really, um, it's really good to just like not have your mind thinking about so many other things. Yeah.
1: So Mm -hmm. I have two questions about that then. I mean, there's so many, but we'll keep it to two. For those of us who do any sort of crazy outdoor sport, whether it's ridiculous endurance stuff where you're just completely <laughs> hallucinating at the end of it, or it is the really intense downhill or anybody in, and especially mountain biking, we have that moment of you look over the, the lip of the jump and you wonder like, can I do this? A lot of us have that same desire. we've heard it a ton in the show. I can't tell you how many times I've heard it around a dinner table or a fire pit or whatever of my sport is the only place I can go to get quiet. Is that, so that's question one. Is that sort of how you feel about skydiving, especially?
0: Yeah. Um, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, even though it's like the, the people who do it are big partiers and stuff. So like at night, it's always like, <laughs> it's yeah, funny, yeah. but like in that moment. And I used to think like, yeah, skydiving was like the only thing that's like that. But I'm realizing all of our sports are kind of like that when you're focused. but um. Yes, it's true. and But I see that with running too, especially because when you're just off by yourself, there's mm-hmm. and there's no one bothering you. <laughs> like, <laughs> and everything else is kind of on hold. Like, and, you know, the your messages can wait and all that. So um, yeah. I would say, I think there's other things that sometimes do it for me. Like even like cooking, your mind's kind of focused and stuff, but nothing quite like running and skydiving for me.
1: Yeah. Okay. So here, and this is what tees up the second question because I had a friend who for a while did a lot of research into like hedonic set point stuff and our body's tolerances for the chemicals that we make for ourselves, like adrenaline. And basically what he came away with was this notion of what he called it extreme sports dependency syndrome, (laughs) where (laughs) you do a thing and then the next time it doesn't feel as crazy. And so you push a little further and you push a little further. And it's one thing if you're, you're, you know, say you're into mountain biking. All right, well, you start off with the Santa Fe Trail, and two years later, you're doing I-35 up in the woods, like gapping out sketchy backcountry jumps. That's a good way to get yourself messed up. Does that concern you at all, or does that apply in skydiving?
0: Um, it does not concern me. Okay, and but I mean, for me personally, yeah. but, but I think what you're explaining is exactly what gets people killed in the sport is they um they keep going for they want to be they want yeah they probably want more of that feeling but also they keep taking it to the notch to um be cooler or be better um swooping is one but also then you get into base jumping and then you get into proximity flying and um and then you start going for like the most extreme stuff
1: for those who don't know is I'm getting it right. If I say proximity flying is literally how close can I get to the thing that will kill me if I touch it?
0: I a oh, a lot of it. Yes. I okay. mean, I, I yeah. don't know if that's not to be, a com- un,
1: not to be unfair, but
0: yes. And getting like the coolest videos, like, camera, mm-hmm. like let's hit this balloon along the edge of this rock and stuff. Um, and it is, it it is it's, I'm one for film too. So like doing crazy stuff for film, like that, Pushes me to do more, and yeah. um, I'm not a base jumper yet. And I, I, sh- it's I sure hope to be one day. But, um, mm-hmm. but I've I found like I'm not, that I'm not chasing anything too extreme like that. Like I'm yeah. I'm still happy with skydiving. Um, but yes, I think that what you're explaining to do more, and it does get people hurt and killed.
1: But you say you are not concerned about it. Is that because you feel like what you're doing now is enough? Or that you're getting what you need out of it?
0: Yeah. I mean, I still do want to, um, uh, when you downsize a parachute, it means you can go faster and land faster and stuff. And um, I definitely still want to downsize um, here soon. And I still want to base jump, but I want to base jump off the bridge in Idaho where most people learn. And my mindset right now is like, what I like, I just want to do a couple. I just want to try it. And like, people are like, oh, that's what gets you sucked boy. in. <laughs> But I'm also not, like, trying to be the best in the world at it. Like, I just want to do it to, like, have those moments of, like, yeah, like, quietness. Of, or, yeah. And, and doing stuff that I that does, like, scare you is fun. And I feel like skydiving is still enough right now.
3: Um, yeah.
2: All right. There's something pretty profound. Of The few times I've seen base jumpers jump in Moab, it's, it's always off of uh Cane Creek yes. near Massive Back. Mm, yeah.
1: yeah. Um,
0: it's called Tombstone and okay. it's because it's the, it looks the like shape a tombstone of it.
1: Yeah. Yes. It's a shape of uh, Tombstone, everybody. It's have not. You
0: ever, yes. <laughs> um, have you ever hiked to the top? I've not. It's a super easy, like 20, 30 minute hike. And then you just go up the back. i to tell you about it. It's yeah, awesome. <laughs> I, would,
2: I would love to hear about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that moment that the chute opens, that snap, it just reverberates across the canyon walls. And that. That is pretty wild.
0: Yeah. And I think like I get so much joy just off, off of watching them. So I'm like, that's what like makes me want to do it as well.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Wow. Well, it, it's cool to hear that you, you have a certain satisfaction in where you're at right now and, and, you know, a, a joy in progressing at, at a, a healthy rate because <laughs> <laughs> it does seem like more than any other activity. There is a real hard limit to how far you can push that realm of
3: flying. It's the ground <laughs> or the <Yeah>. wall. <laughs>
0: totally, and I could go on about it. Like, um like I there's sometimes I'm like I wish I could be like the best skydiver and stuff, but then then I realize there's so many other things I want to do too. So I'm like,
3: mm-hmm.
0: ah. you know, it's the jack of many tr- or jack of all trades but master of none and like oh, i yes. i don't want to get sucked into that but at this point i'm okay not like i have running which i like feel like i can or i do win at some stuff so like this other stuff i'm like uh you just you can't get good at everything there's just not enough time i mean you can get good at everything you just can't be the best at everything and maybe you can like <laughs> um <laughs> I, I, oh, no. I i don't want don't want to say never but um yeah i think that's what's held me back of like the time that it will take and the money too to be good at stuff like the equipment you need and stuff so yeah I think that kind of holds me back that I'm like I'm okay just doing it for fun like if I get if I get good and get better and can push limits then the time will come but um it's kind of impossible to hold a job and train and running and to be the best at all these extreme sports <laughs> well,
2: it's it's fun to hear that you have so many passions as well i mean yeah, yeah. running is your thing but you also skydive and you, you talked about m- motos as well
1: and mm-hmm. also
2: a little bit of downhill mountain biking as we heard yeah yeah,
3: yeah.
1: there's what's, there's the <laughs> mountain bike connection what's waiting in the garage what, what do you got hanging out in there
0: oh um, okay i love my bike but you might laugh it's a um specialized big hit grom um uh, um, i would love to send you a picture sometime it's i mean it's like it has it's full suspension it has everything but it is a youth bike i got it when i was 14 and it's still i've got new tires um i have max's tires on them and i've gotten a new disc brake since then but um other than that it's fits me pretty darn good all right
1: And that where are awesome. we going to find you when you're out riding? Are you Cheyenne Canyon here in the Springs or what's your jam? You know
0: what? So my family has a little place in Keystone and I keep it up there because my jam is I like to take the lift oh,
3: up. Oh, lifter. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and, and we talked about this a little bit before, but um, as much as I love fitness, like I love saving my energy for running. And so that's what's cool about skydiving too. It really doesn't take much out of you um, physically.
2: So you have a lot of amazing passions already, but it's exciting to hear a little bit about what you do for work, too. And some of that is uh, in videography of the things you already enjoy doing. Is that right?
0: Absolutely, yeah. Um, I work for the American Trail Running Association as a contract filmer, and then I work part-time with um, Aravipa Running in Rides. Um, It's a they put on a lot of ultra races um, for running, and they are getting into the biking scene. So they're going to start putting on bike races. Yes. <laughs> um, they are uh, started in Arizona, but they just opened an office here in Colorado Springs. And, yeah, I am their uh, Colorado—I've worked on some bigger documentaries with them, and then they officially hired me to be their—the um, Air Vibe at Colorado— video editor and producer. And so, um, you know, I make reels for their Instagram and then we're going to do some monthly vlogs coming up here. Um, yeah, but it's super cool because I, I love film, but to be around the people who share passions for outdoors and running and everything, like everything I do is, um, is really cool. And you meet so many awesome people. And and I also film in skydiving as well. Um, I do a lot of event. Uh, videos and honestly, skydiving footage is really what pushed me to like love filming so much because it's such cool footage that like mm. you just can't help but love editing. And um, I I work with Adobe Premiere and After Effects and have learned so much just playing with skydiving footage. So yeah.
1: So <laughs> I'm always curious when somebody says you know that their that their profession is their sport, and now you've got sort of two the sport itself, and then the film that's related to it. What does the next, say, 10 to 15 years look like as you think about your own body, history of injury? Want to make sure you never get to a point where you can't do these things.
0: Yeah, um, it's funny because I'm actually kind of doing the opposite of what anyone or myself would think, but um, I'm starting to do longer races and I'm really loving them. And for some reason, I'm finding my body's holding up just are like better and so I think something about you know not being not going as fast like especially not doing track workouts as much and stuff is actually I think that's actually harder on your body so um I mean looking at the next 10 to 15 years I kind of just take it year by year um but uh yeah I'm looking to do I did my first ultra this last year which was 30 miles um so like it called a baby ultra but still I never thought I'd ever do an ultra and so um yeah I'm looking at doing a few more this year and uh and just uh being being smart um but first yeah this I I was able to do a lot more this last year and I, I don't really know why yet and um maybe it doesn't really matter but um I'm just gonna like keep being happy and and uh working hard in the film and and then racing when it's race time and hopefully be able to do both of them for a long awesome. time. <laughs>
2: well, I'd love to hear through all these different passions that you've, you've dove into. <laughs> uh, are there any particular life lessons that stand out to you?
0: I, I know there's many. <laughs> um, I think, you know, probably we already touched on it, but with the injury thing is like, Realizing that like it's a sign to focus, switch focus, or like really put your energy during that time of injury towards somewhere else. Don't just dwell on this injury and try to get it better the entire time. Just kind of let go of it. The body will heal, most likely. I mean, sometimes you need surgery, but but for the most part, things heal. And so it's like really focus that in- energy. To somewhere that like can get you further in life, so like I really put a lot of work into my I I, I put a lot of work into my film all the time, but especially when I'm injured, it's like mm-hmm. you have this much more time to like gain knowledge and do even more. So yeah, I think that's my lesson. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, we can we can jump into some of our traditional questions here. If you're <laughs> yeah. Down. Uh, starting off with any wild or crazy encounters that you've had, and the miles and miles. Of trail running that you've done, or you know, through skydiving, run into any birds, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> smack into
1: a pigeon or something, Find any dragons up there.
0: <laughs> Gosh, um, why does this? I feel like I should have stories. I, I have one I'll kind of lead into, but I, it's funny though that you ask that because a lot of my trail running friends kind of make fun of me because they call me a front range girl, as in. I don't do—I don't run as extreme as, like, a real trail runner. Like, these people I have friends up in Vail and Aspen and stuff, and they're doing, like—they're running, like, ridgelines and Capitol Peak-type stuff all the time. And I think that sounds cool, but at the end of the day, I want, like, a run. I don't want to be— Crawling half of my run, like, <laughs> like I mean I know that's still like really awesome and it's beautiful and it's still good fitness, but when I run, I like to run, and so like most of my training is flatter stuff, even though I race a lot of hilly stuff, um besides like the incline and Bar Trail, I do a lot on the Santa Fe and I do fast and flat workouts and um, so I don't have as many crazy experiences. These people, um,
2: I mean, the Santa Fe can get pretty wild. sometimes. <laughs> well, yeah, let's <laughs> be <laughs> honest here, people.
0: Yeah. But, um, my two, probably I did, I was on the incline many, many years ago, um, with my dog. Um, she's no longer with us, but she was my like training buddy back, um, in high school and college. And we were doing the incline on a snowy, snowy ish. It was more cloudy day. And there's like no one on it. Few people. and this thing is like coming at like I hear this guy yelling from the top we're like maybe we can see the top and he's yelling and my dog hears him too and she's really interested and then this thing is just like coming at us and I'm like I just did not know what was going on and then I realize he's yelling rock and it's like a like a probably like a 10-15 pound little boulder rolling down the stairs at us and then my dog like sees it and she gets excited and she's like oh what is this coming to play with me oh. and
3: it comes
0: and she I she's not on the leash and I like screaming bloody murder at her when I realize what's happening she jumps up and the rock like she jumped over the rock even though it was kind of bouncing it hit her back legs and like took her out and she kind of like stumbled over and then the rock diverged to the side and it was just like all happened so fast I was like oh my gosh are you okay and then I look at our time and at the time we were about to it was before my 2007 time but um uh at the time we were about to set a record and I was like get up we're going Like,
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: uh and then we get up there and the guy was like are you guys okay like he had a Weimariner with him that had a leash on but but the leash was just dragging behind and the leash had pulled it loose. Oh. And I was like, yeah, no, we're good. But then thinking back, if that rock would have hit her in the chest, it probably could have killed her. It like awful. Wow. But but at the same time, I was like, well, that was an experience. <laughs> so yeah, that was what, probably one of our my more crazy. Um, it's
1: our first uh-huh.
2: rock encounter.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> usually animals. I mean, ostriches or emus, uh-huh. bison. I don't know. No rocks, though. So that's mobile <laughs> rocks. All right. So then we tend to go for one that we just call best day, worst day.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: So in all of your sports, what is the day that comes to mind where you just think, I never want that to happen again. That was just miserable.
0: Okay. Um, that was my first Pikes Peak Marathon, which uh, mm-hmm. I did it last oh. year. And then um, I did it again this year. And okay, I'm going to say it was the worst feeling ever. However... It's probably one of my favorite memories. If that is up, that's usually how these stories go. Yeah. 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 So, um, Pike's Peak Marathon, 2020, August was my first marathon ever, and um, and I, because I've never ran that far, I don't usually take food with me. And, but I know gels are a thing and stuff. So I was like, all right, well, I'll take a gel, take one. And then I had a small bottle of Kahlua, which was also (laughs) (laughs) that a friend gave it to me before the race because he's, he wasn't running, but we had trained together and had a, there were four of us that, um, all took shots at the top of a race, um, earlier that year. And so it was kind of like our thing to like. Take a shot, but I, but I was kind of serious about the race. I'm like, "Crap, okay, I'm not taking this during the race, but I'll, I'll take it with me for the finish line." Well, thank God I had it because I end up taking it in the middle of the race because I took the gel on the way up. I was doing good. I was leading by 10 minutes at the top. So halfway through the race, I'm leading by 10 minutes. Well, then I, I'm not as good of a downhill. I didn't think I was. I think I'm better now, but I was like, "Okay, I have to hammer downhill because they're going to be catching me." And so I start off just like sprinting right away down Bike's Peak. And, um, I fell about three miles down oh. and, um, mm. just, uh, supermanned it. And like, you just hit the ground. Like it all happened so fast. And I was just so mad. Like it just, ugh. and so like, in some ways I like got up and like was running even faster, but I was just like so mad. And I looked down and like blood's pouring down my leg. And honestly, in my head, I'm like, good, that hurt. I better have something to show for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, then it turns out I fell two more times and, um, And just my knee was just and uh, my hip was bleeding through my jersey, too, or whatever. So, like, it was, like, painful. But I will say because of adrenaline probably was kicked in there, I didn't really feel pain. It was just, like, mad because I thought it was slowing me down. But then I hit halfway and that's where, like, the low calorie or not enough energy just Mm. all of a sudden I felt like I could take a nap on the side. Like, it just hit me, like that's what hit the wall feels like mm-hmm. and i was so drained and i was like i want to just like sit down and take a nap like it never felt like that and i was and i remember thinking i was like if this is what marathons feel like i never ever ever want to do this again and mm-hmm. um but and they have food at aid stations but i didn't i don't know that did not sound good but all i had a clue with me and i was like I got to take this. Like, I'm going to like, pass. Like I think I may have passed out. And so I drank it and oh, it has never tasted so sweet. And I was like, this is delicious. Um, and I like to say it saved my life that day. But in the meantime, I had to walk several miles and um, the a girl caught me and then another girl caught me. So I ended up, but I ended up holding on for third. I was able to like run the last two miles, but blood covered and feeling like I was going to pass out. And again, though, I will still say rather than winning that race, I, I rather have this memory and experience because it taught me so much. It was so much fun, like type two fun, like in the yeah. moment it was yeah. awful, mm-hmm. but it, it's the best story to me of like having gone through that. And so, so then two months later, I ran the Moab Marathon and um, was much more prepared. I took, I took gels like every 40 minutes and uh, I was able to hold, like stay perfect for that one and win. So learned a lot.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, earlier on, you said there's some pretty good, pretty happy memories from Moab.
2: Oh, yes.
0: Perfect. The perfect time to circle back to that. Yes. Um, obviously that went really well. well that year, 2020, um, I won that one and I felt great right at the beginning because I had actually dirt biked, um, and ran with a couple friends, but I had dirt biked the first four miles of the course, which come to find out, is pritchett canyon which is the hardest trail in moab i was told after the fact <laughs> which we could have said that but i like i it was just very very difficult but i wasn't going to be like oh that trail is hard i just figured this was most of moab's trails but um no it's very very hard on a dirt bike um easier to run way easier to run but there are like it's steps ups and steps downs but having dirt biked it I just at the beginning of the race, I just I felt like I knew everything that was coming and I Mm. knew where my foot was going to go. But um, this year is one that like trumped that. Um, uh, It was the day before the race. Normally, I have like a group of friends I go out with. But this year, just everyone was kind of in a different life spot. So I I knew a lot of people that were going to be there, but I drove out by myself. I stayed by myself the first night and I just felt kind of shy it was weird I was like oh like I'm just gonna like hang out by myself but um but there's a park in Moab where all the base jumpers go to pack their rigs and I I know a lot of them I don't know them like super well but I've like met so many of them in passing or whatever and so I just like pulled up there I was actually I had to pack my skydiving rig and so I was like I'll just do it on the grass and then right away I get out of the car and be like Allie Allie and like again people I've met maybe once or twice and it just like was like these are my people, and, like,
3: <laughs> and
0: and that's another reason I want base jump is just the people are so cool. And so um, so then I end up hanging out there the rest of the afternoon, and they invite. They're like, well, we're gonna go jump this. Come with us. And then I was like, guys, there's a couple spots. I'm I'm running the marathon tomorrow, and uh, there's a couple spots that you guys jump off of that go right by the course. And they're like, well, let's time it. Like, what time? Are, like, and the race started pretty early, but I was like, well, at halfway, there's an exit point and um so they're like we'll calculate your time and we'll be there and when we see you we'll jump off and I'm I trust people but at the same time it was gonna be like early in the morning and I just you never know "Yeah, yeah 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 even though they were like pretty enthusiastic about it but um but so we talked about that then we went and jumped that they jumped that night and I watched them and stuff and then um, and then I kind of texted them later, and I was like, "Okay, I'm pretty sure it's like at thirteen miles. I think I'll be there this time if if I run as well as I did last year, blah blah blah. Um, anyways, start the race, and uh halfway through you come you go into the canyon and then come out and then take this turn, and this it's called Echo. It's along King Creek, and mm-hmm. um it's one of their spots. I make that curve, and I hear this caca go. And then I just look up, and it took me a minute, and then I see like six of them standing up there, and and they oh. know what they they knew what color I was gonna wear, and I'm like kind of recognizable, but um I yelled "kaka" back so loud, and at that point I was about five minutes ahead already, which was super cool, and then they jumped, and it was just so 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 special, like you, like to like be in the middle of a race, like pushing really hard and then see your favorite thing in the world a <laughs> jumper. And, um, and, uh, and just to think that they like all got up at like 6am to hike this and jump. And, and then I felt bad cause I'm like, well, I'm not going to stop. Like I gotta, I'm going to keep running. And I, they totally understood, but I just kept yelling to them. I was like, I love you guys. This is awesome. And, um, and then, so like they kept jumping and I'm, like, turning down the canyon, but I just kept looking back, and you can hear him, like you mm-hmm, said, it mm-hmm. echoes. Um, and then I end up winning the race. And then uh, I I message them as soon as I can, and I was like, who all was there? Like, I, I could recognize a couple of their parachutes, but I was like, let me know, because I, like, wanted to message all them and say thank you, best race ever. And uh, And then they, a lot of them wrote back and were like, it was super fun for us too. Like we just kept waiting for you, and and the fact that they had so much fun too, like meant a lot to me. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, as a, like, yeah, that was really special. Wow.
2: <laughs> That's like the ultimate cheer squad. <laughs> yeah, hey, no
1: right, joke.
0: Yes. <laughs> um,
2: your
1: you People come out and like hold the beer and cheer for you with a megaphone when you go by. Yeah, well, mine jump off cliffs, so <laughs> I'm good.
0: Right, and I I don't know what this sounds like to you, but um, to you guys, but like, it's I could. When I think of it, I think how silly I sound because I was, especially that day, because I was just like, it was like the best thing ever. And and I'm like, am I crazy, like delusional? But I don't know. But um, it's going to be hard to do something, like have a race better than that.
1: <laughs> I mean, incredible. here at Supa, one of the things that we are most passionate about is building and helping to enhance the community around sport. And usually we talk about that within a sport like mountain biking. But here where you're bridging a couple of worlds from running and skydiving, I mean, that's the essence of community right there. Not only are you there for the people doing your thing, but you've got people coming out to support you doing something completely different. That's the essence of, yeah, community being there for each other. And that's awesome.
0: You're so right. And it was, it was was awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think there's really probably a better way to end than that. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's thank
0: you, guys. I, this is a beautiful studio, and I can't wait to see where this uh, goes. I'll share it all around.
1: All right. Oh. Allie, thanks so much <laughs> right. for being here. Thank you. If you want to know more about stand-up pedal action, you can check us out online at super.bike. That's S-U-P-A dot B-I-K-E. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.